and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today on a Farmer Friday. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Well, today in the show, we are taking your phone calls all throughout the show and your emails. We're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag in just a second. But if you'd like to give us a call, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on X, Ag PhD Media, Darren Hefty, or Brian Hefty. All right, we're going to hit the Ag PhD mailbag right away here. It's the mailbag! All right, Brian, this one comes from Kyle. He's in South Dakota. He said, we're coming across corn now anywhere between 17 and 20% moisture. We had plenty of heat this year. So we didn't think we were going to have to dry very much. Do you think the smoke from Canada had anything to do with this? Otherwise, or also, uh, we're wondering about running a pro-till over some ground that already has valor down. Can you get away with moving any dirt, or is it better to leave it alone? Okay, we got to take one question at a time. Let's go back to the first one. It's how many, what Corn did they is say? still wet. Still 17 is to it, 19. Is yeah. it due to the smoke, or is it something doubtful. else? Doubtful. It's real doubtful. So corn matures based on heat now i will say if you have enough smoke that will keep the heat down so i i mean that could be a factor but as far as i knew just about everybody in in south dakota had more heat units than normal on our own farm i'll just tell you we were trying to push maturities too much and granted we knew we had some corn that was going to go for silage so we planted as late as what was it during 115 116 day stuff <laughs> like whoa guys whoa 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 let's yeah, let's calm planted, her down a little planted bit some here. mid to late group three soybeans in a plot <laughs> just to see what had happened and guess what we got enough heat everything finished whoa whoa no no okay i'm gonna i'm gonna stop you on that one let's we'll come back to the bean thing in a second let's talk about the corn first corn matures based on heat Soybeans mature based on sunlight. So with corn and that maturity, um, my opinion is you got to back off on the maturity a little bit. But here's the other side of it. If you do everything in that field as good as you possibly can and plant super early, then hopefully you're going to finish faster. So sometimes we get premature death when we have too much stress, but sometimes when we have too much stress, then it doesn't mature right. So I know it sounds kind of weird and contradictory there, but I would just say make sure we've got good drainage, we're balancing fertility, doing all that kind of stuff. And then it really depends on when you plant. So I know we had more heat, but some when did they it, plant? Some of it, but also, you know, how did the how did the plant finish? You know, did a plant die at the end? Is there something that's limiting that plant from finishing out? Have you gotten some late season moisture? How are the ears? Are they late fa- season pointing, disease? Are the mm-hmm. ears pointed up and they've got a tight husk? Uh, there, there are a lot of differences between corn in the north and corn in the south. In the south, a lot of guys, and, and I know I'll probably get some feedback. Oh no, no, we we like open husks. Most guys in the south don't like open husks because they get too much damage from bugs and birds. In the north, we kind of like more of an open husk for dry down. And so you might have had a tighter husk product out there, too. Uh, there, there's several things that could have happened. You could have had some insect damage uh, and different things that could have okay. held some moisture. So here's what I would encourage you to do. Go to the agphd.com website. Under our resources tab, we have something called Purdue Growing Degree Day website. Use that 
around planting time. Then you can see, okay, on average in my area, what do I have for heat units? What could I raise for maturity on average? And then you can see, all right, what are the ranges and that kind of thing. So use that in the future. But yeah, my guess is you planted something just a little too late. To Darren's point about, okay, we had a group three, we had group three beans that finished. Yeah, um, the reason why they finished is because we didn't have we did not have an early frost. We had a very late frost. So we really didn't, yeah, we had more heat. And you might say, well, that's going to help it finish. It might help it to dry down. But in terms of true maturity for beans, we're usually just talking sunlight. Now, the advantage is we planted fairly early and we had that very late frost that allowed things to finish before the frost came. I wouldn't count on that every year. I wouldn't count on that more than about one or two out of five years. That's about it. All right. And the other question was what, Darren? Oh, tilling in something. Yeah, yeah, you already put Valor down. Can you do some pro-till or should you just leave it alone? You can do light tillage. So if you're tilling two, three inches deep, maybe four, you're probably going to be fine. If you're doing very deep tillage, you're going to bury some of it. And you might streak it up a little bit. But no, we do we do tillage. Well, I'll, I'll just tell you, almost every single time we use Valor or Authority on our farm, we do, uh, well, I shouldn't say almost every time, many times when we do this, we will use a field cultivator afterwards to till it in. So sure, it can be left on top. And especially when you do it in the fall, I'm perfectly fine having it left on top because the rain will move it down eventually, assuming you get rain. But you're going to get rain or snow in the next six months, so I'm not too worried about that side. But, yes, you can lightly till it. What you got next, Aaron? All right. Uh, it is Farmer Friday, by the way, so if you have a question, you can call in 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can always email us, radio at agphd.com as well. Uh, I get this in from JP. He's down in Brazil. He said, hey, you guys are talking about potassium and how it changed your farm. Well, I can confirm potassium has changed our farm too. It makes such a big difference in stock and grain weight and size. It also helps out during the dry periods. I was wondering how much total potassium in the soil, in the top eight inches is what we're normally measuring, how much can a corn crop extract in percentage? For example, 400 bushel corn would need a total of 540 pounds per acre of K2O potassium. From that... Uh, or for that to happen, we would probably need two and a half times, in my estimation, more in the soil, like 1,350 pounds per acre. Is that about what you guys would guess? That would mean 600 parts per million of K in the soil test in our 10 CEC. <laughs> that would be okay. 15% base saturation to start with so, in our lighter soil. So to sum this up, he's asking, what percent of the soil's potassium can I remove? The soil's available potassium can I remove? 40%? It is really the important question when you're trying to figure out how much K to put out there because everybody says, okay. oh, you got That's all why kinds of K out in your soil, yep, I but agree. you can't get it. Yep, but if you have less compaction, you have more overall root growth, you have better chance for uptake. I'll, yeah, I mean, your 40% is probably not too far off. 50, 60%, that's probably about as far as I'd go. You have to have a lot of extra in order to get the yield you're after. Stay tuned. Are you ready? We got the need, the need for seed treatment. Start your engines. Ready, set, in tango. 
Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instructions. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car, steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Effortlessly manage your farm fertility with Verify. Verify takes yield data directly from your combine and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether it's building soil, balancing nutrition, or maintaining fertility. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Join Verify today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Improve germination in your fields with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our unique spike design seals your seed within a firm vein of soil, providing maximum seed-to-soil contact and maximum germination. Order a set for your planter at farmshopmfg.com. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio, and our phone lines are open at 844 44 Ag PhD if you've got an agronomic question. All right. Jim called in yesterday, had some numbers on potassium, but didn't have the rest of the numbers. Jim, how are you doing today? Hey, great there, Brian. How are, or, I'm sorry, Darren. Darren. That's sorry. okay. That's okay. Brian's actually here today, too. So he was like, okay, tell me about That's this. It's a, well, it's a potassium yeah. question, Jim. And anytime you get potassium questions, Brian gets all excited. Okay. Well, hang on, Brian. I got a good one for you here. My, uh, I should email this to you, but... My potassium is 530 parts per million. This is out in Sully County, South Dakota. Okay. Yep. For those yeah. listening it, that aren't yeah. familiar with South central Dakota south geography, Dakota. that's uh, central South Dakota. Yeah. Flat as a pancake and pretty grow behind every tree. Just not many trees. But anyway, um, cation exchange, you asked me yesterday, and uh, Darren, it's 18.0 MEQ. Like a Q on there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> how did uh, I was just that just reminded me of Tommy Boy and what, what's what's the number? <laughs> he starts throwing out letters and everything. Anyway, sorry, I'm I'm not I'm just giving you a hard time, Jim. So okay, so, so well, Darren, what were what were the other things that you would ask Jim yesterday? Well, magnesium I was asking percentage? about magnesium percentage and just curious magnesium, how that 530 magnesium. equated to a base saturation or magnesium parts per million. If you have magnesium parts per million, that'd help be helpful. Okay. Uh, 12.2. Yep. Percent. Wait, wait, wait. No. That's percent. I'm sorry. That's manganese. Let me, sorry. Oh. No, no. Okay. Five, 583, Brian. 583. And then I've got the base. Got it. Go ahead. Parts per million. Yep. I've that... got the base percent saturations at the bottom right of this. Okay. And I think Darren had said a two to one. You should have them. 27% mag. And uh, my K 
is 7.5. Okay. So that's a four to one almost, not quite. Well, no, what what we want is on parts per million. Forget about the base saturation for a second. If you take the okay. magnesium parts per million to potassium mm-hmm. parts per million, it needs to be a ratio of one to one to two to one. So you fall into that range, you're fine. So what what yeah. was what was your question? Where 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 are we going with this? Well, my guy wants me to put down, it seems like an awful lot of uh and the sheet even says zero recommendation on your first crop, you know, corn. Yep. And K2O. And, yep. And they want me to put down a, a pretty heavy blend of for 60 pounds of potassium because they say it doesn't release in the soil. Would I be better off? There seems like quite a bit. And I, yep. I can't remember if we took that to get the pounds per acre, which is the 530 parts per million. Times two, yep. times another number, I think. Times 1.2, yeah. You got all kinds of potassium there. You do not need to add potassium. Now, I will say this, and I was curious what your what the reasoning was. Had they said, well, Jim, you need some more chloride, your soil is really low on chloride, then that that I could have gone along with. Now, you don't need 30 or 60 pounds to do that, but throwing you know a little bit of potash out, 20, 10 pounds, 20 pounds, so you get the chloride, Maybe if you were low on chloride, but if we don't know, then we're just guessing. You do uh, not need potassium. Right. Oh, go ahead. I've got three pounds of chloride, the zero to six layer, and six inch to 20, I've got 11 pounds, it says, Brian. Okay, so you're so. You're, you're pretty low on that. So if you were to add, say, 20 pounds of potash or something, you'll be just fine. Mm-hmm. So no, I would not spend That's the it. money on 60. 20 would be a great plenty in my book. Okay. But, 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 yeah, but, but let's put it this way. What's your yield goal here? Well, it's out there and I was going to talk to Glenn. I think he had some test plots out there last year. I know talking to him at a meeting. Um, and, uh, plus I, I just found today's the last day of the good discount on the beans oh, and corn seed. Okay. But here, here's where I was going with this. All I was saying, or I was going to say is if, let's say 60 pounds is what you expect to remove for the year, I don't have a big issue with that because you're not going to go higher than your 7.5% base saturation K, which is already getting near the top end limit. So, you know, 20 pounds, maybe 60 pounds, you know, it's just, I, I, you don't need potassium at all. The only thing you might need is chloride. And if you wanted to keep your potassium level up exactly where it's at, then you would want to put out whatever crop removal is. But yeah, you're fine on potassium. Maintain. Okay. Yep. yep. All right. Um, well, thank you very much. And yep. and it is the last day on your crop purchasing to get the, the big discount, right? Most seed, seed companies out there have discount dates of basically right now, uh, so that, they know a lot of guys like to get stuff yep. done before Thanksgiving, and yep. and it's kind of like the ag chem companies know people. A lot of people like to get stuff done before Christmas. They can just relax over the holidays. So yeah, I think I think that's pretty standard. Hey Jim, uh, thanks for thanks for calling though. Really appreciate it, and glad we got a chance to talk more about this potassium thing. Yeah, thanks. I got a chance to talk to Brian too. So how lucky am I? Thanks, Brian. <laughs> I don't know about that, but okay. Yeah, thanks, awesome. Jim. Well, thanks, Jim, and have a happy Thanksgiving. Really appreciate it. I uh, got Tom out in Montana on on right now. How you doing, Tom? Oh, not too bad. How are you guys doing? We're doing well. Doing well. We got the crop in, and that's always a good thing. And actually, got a lot of stuff done out in the field. How about out in Montana? You know, it was it was a good harvest for everybody around here. Um, I raised alfalfa seed, and and uh, 
it was it was a good you know a good year to get i mean we didn't get no rains during harvest you know a sprinkle here and there but um all in all it everything went pretty smooth um you know the the dry land wheat did fairly decent had a lot of moisture early and then it petered out and you know july was hot and dry and august was even worse so um it kind of it kind of really took a toll on on a lot of guys that got it in a little bit late if you got it in early you had a great crop um the alfalfa seed market or the the crop was was above average you know so um it's you know it's it's been a good year for everybody cattle prices are good so you know the 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 mood around here is pretty decent awesome awesome hey tell me about the alfalfa seed so we raise alfalfa just for hay what kind of yields do you get out of alfalfa seed what's a good year there a good year for us is 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 around 700 pounds an acre 800 pounds um an average year is five to six a bad year is uh 100 to 200 um you know we'll hit that thousand mark every once in a while thousand pounds an acre and that's that's in the dirt you know and usually it's about about 15 to 22 23 percent clean out when when you take it to a cleaner um you know so it's it's there's just a few of us up here that raise alfalfa seed yeah it's um, kind of kind of a neat little thing. niche yeah it's uh you have a lot of money into it you know all the way till harvest and and you know it's uh got to spray for weeds and we're we're you know i just got done spraying some pre-emerge for next spring um and uh sprayed uh, 180 acres and and uh it's 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 a lot of money out you know on the books yeah yeah you definitely have to stick your neck out a long way this is for for anyone listening that's not into farming here this is tom's hitting on a great point with a lot of these crops that we raise well with really with pretty much all the crops we raise we got to put all our money out up front hoping that there'll be a harvest that's okay and you talked about <laughs> ranging anywhere from 100 or 200 pounds of seed per acre to maybe a thousand if you had a great year well a thousand i can tell you i don't even have to know the economics that that's going to make some really good money and a hundred you are going to go broke in a real hurry if you have many of those years so it's pretty risky yeah and and, you know the last three years we've had decent enough weather um thank god that we have the the irrigation system that comes down the milk river and and we we can irrigate um you know but without rain from from god and mother nature it's it's a tough it's tough go yeah for anybody yeah for sure for sure so with that business is that as pretty stable amount of acres on your farm or does that fluctuate year to year um, usually it's around that 300 to 400 acres every year. Yep. Yep. You know, and then, and then I raise some, some other grains and, and some hay and stuff like that too, but mostly alfalfa seed. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty nice mix to, to be able to rotate crops through and, and move that alfalfa around perhaps and, uh, and spread out your risk overall on your farm. Uh, Tom, big plans I, for Thanksgiving. You guys stay close to home or do you travel? Just stay at home. Got the whole family coming home. My mother's got her 90th birthday on the 3rd of December, so the whole the whole fam family is going to be here. Wow. Well, tell your mom happy birthday, and thanks for calling today. Really appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving. You bet. You guys, too. Have a good one. Thank you. It's Farmer Friday on today's Ag PhD radio program, and our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back.
Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Good morning and hallelujah! My spray and pray days are over! What's with Randy? Oh, he's just amped. Weed field heaven! Amped? Yeah, he ordered that new battalion amp herbicide from UPL. They're calling it the new gold standard. This is the greatest day in herbicidal history! So, how can I. Get amped? Just go to battalionamp.com. It's gonna be a good year! Always read and follow label directions. Get the most from every acre on your farm by attending Ag PhD's workshops and clinics this winter. I'm Darren Hefty. My brother Brian and I are hosting several free workshops throughout January and February, including agronomy workshops in corn and soybeans, a soils clinic, and a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. We have a lot of great information and we can't wait to share it with you. Best of all, these events are free, so be sure to check them out. Register today at agphd.com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It's Farmer Friday today, and our phone lines are open for your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got Jason on with us right now over in Indiana. How's it going, Jason? Uh, real good, Darren. How's it going for you? Good. You guys still strip tilling, or are you all done? No, we're we're still harvesting. Oh, boy. We're uh yeah, we got we got a little bit to go. Most guys are finishing up around here. Uh, still a little bit of crop out close to Lake Michigan here. We were kind of late and pretty wet, but we're uh, hoping to finish that soon and get into some fall strip tilling. There you go. There you go. Uh, okay, talk to us about the crop then. Uh, pretty happy overall with yields. Is everything holding up uh, out in the field, or is it starting to fall apart and ready to go? 
Yeah, so far I would say everybody around here is pretty happy with their corn yields. Bean yields were probably average to maybe a bit below average. And so far the corn crop is, is standing pretty well. We've, we've just gone through a really nice stretch of weather and it's been pretty enjoyable. Excellent. Yeah, it's fun when you get those. You, you know from a few years of experience that doesn't always happen. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right, talk to us about the strip till and then that you're hoping to do. What do you like to do with that? Are you putting down P and K? Do you put down uh, even more than that? Or or do you just wait and do the fertilizer later? Yeah, so if if we can get some fall strip tilling done, which we, we always have ambitions of doing a lot of acres in the fall and somehow harvest always seems to, to take all of our time and effort. But if we get to it, we're just we're putting down P and K in the fall in the strip. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, you're right. That's the tough thing with strip till. We like to do it in the fall too. And some years we just can't get over very many acres. Uh, for us this year, we we were able to do about everything we wanted to. So that was kind of lucky. But uh, but we were on the dry side, and we've got the benefit of chopping a lot of the corn for silage, which which really is is nice to get that done that early. But uh, we're talking with Jason here out in Indiana, who's still rocking and rolling here with the harvest. How soon are you going to be done, Jason? Well, I would say our goal is before Thanksgiving, and I, I think we'll hit that. Uh, just a couple more days, we should should be okay. Outstanding. Well, good luck to you. Stay safe and have a happy Thanksgiving as well. All right. You as well. Thanks, Jason. Got Tom with us right now, who's out in South Dakota. How you doing, Tom? I'm doing great. How'd, uh, how'd you guys turn out this year? Is everything all wrapped up now? Yeah, we um, actually have some corn out there that, is uh drying in the field uh, just running out of uh locations to go our ethanol plant was down for a while now they're back up and running so uh nice weather holding it for us so we're getting along real well getting our strip tilling done and so things are looking good we just take more moisture you know, some of that corn has been holding a lot of moisture, like you say, and, and needing some more field dry down. Why do you think it was hanging on to the moisture this year? Well, in our case, I think it's because of the early drought. Uh, we had late moisture, but our crops were damaged by the lack of moisture early in the spring. Um, we saw widespread uh, variations in our moisture. We saw some spring wheat that come in at 70 bushel four miles away it did 19 and wow. and uh, just a matter of the early early rains missed some of the fields some of them got it and uh, so I, I think we're having what I would call just an average year uh, there's some real heartbreaks out there but at the same time there's some real good fields how did sunflowers turn out this year on average uh, you know, I, there again, we aren't breaking any records. Uh, Central South Dakota is really fighting a battle with uh, seed weevils being resistant to a lot of our chemistries that we have available to us. Um, so there's a lot of con conversation about that coming down the line. We've had a lot of damage, but we also saw a lot of flowers that just the seeds were there but never filled the center and creating a lot of low test weight and that's a big concern for the oil and the bird food industry 
uh, confections moved out of our area or the human edible ones because of the seed damage. They just don't want to battle that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's tough. Uh, resistance is, is not a good thing with herbicides. And, you know, you look at Lorsman being off the market, it sounds like the legal battle has, has turned and Lorsman could be back. Maybe that'll be something that could help guys. Well, and it did help us last year. Uh, we did get a Section 18 on going back to an old uh, parathion, but, you know, that was really, we stopped using it for a reason that just wasn't helping us that great. I think some guys had some limited success with it this fall, but um, overall, we're going to, as long as the markets will take the the damage and they haven't been saying anything much to us other than worried about test weight. So we're going to get through it and um, hopefully next year will be better for us for control. Yeah, it's been a tough world market for sunflowers with all the, the stuff going on in Ukraine and beyond. It's it's quite a year, no doubt about it. Well, Tom, thank you so much. Oh, for, oh, oh go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say it's just kind of crazy with all the problems in the uh Eastern Europe, you'd think there'd be a higher demand for our flowers, but just haven't seen that in the markets. Yeah, that's that's really what I was thinking too. And it, yeah, I guess you just never know. If we could predict the markets, uh, we wouldn't need the markets. So um, <laughs> I guess we just have to live with it. Well, Tom, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. I know uh, it's a busy time of year. Have a happy Thanksgiving and, and get some time with the family. Thank you. All right, Brian, had uh, some soil tests come in, and this is from um, Joe, who's in South Dakota. He said, hey, guys, got a few questions for you. Just curious what I what you think I should do on this field. And then specifically, uh, if I'm shooting for 200 bushel corn, and I've got an APH that's better than 200, 228 and 60 for beans. So I want at least 200 bushel corn. What should I be putting out there for nitrogen, and what kind of planting population do you think I need if I'm going for 200 to 230 bushel corn? Well, we often say it's 7 to 10. So basically, let's put it this way. If you were planting, for example, 30,000 plants per acre, 30 times 7 is 210 bushels. 30 times 10 is 300 bushels. So 30,000 planting population should give you a yield in the range of 210 to 300. Should. Okay, so I'm not saying you can't plant a little more. I'm not saying you can't plant a little less, whatever. But something like that, for the yield you're talking, it should be somewhere close to 30,000 if it's me. If I'm if I'm shooting for 200 bushel corn, what am I planting? Probably 26, 28,000, something like that. Uh, maybe 30 if you really wanted to push it. But uh, anyway, uh, the, the rest of this... Let me just say, I'm looking at soil tests here, and I, I very much appreciate how when we get a field summary, we have the minimum, the average, and the maximum. So then I can kind of see what our range is. We're big believers in variable rate fertilizer. So then you put your fertilizer dollars where they need to go. You don't overspend. You don't over underspend, things like that. But, yeah, when I look at your soil tests here, on average, like for your P1 phosphorus, so I, I'm just going to start it phosphorus, potassium, and then I want to talk about your nitrogen question. Um, when I look at this, there is a tremendous range. So the average looks fine, 21 on the P1 uh, phosphorus, available phosphorus, but the low is 1. 
The high is 83. And so that kind of illustrates my point of, well, look, at the 83 P1, you probably don't need to add any more phosphorus right there, at least for one year. I probably still would to maintain because I like that level. But on the one, you put anything out there, that's going to give you an unbelievably great return on investment. And then when I look at the potassium and I see same kind of thing, my average is 2.34, which I would still call real low. But your high is 7.3. So you have at least one area in the field where you have decent level of a decent level of potassium, but you're as low as 1.4. So just make sure that you're you're really focused on those areas where you're real low. But as far as the nitrogen goes, um, I, I guess the big thing is what we're going to always say is we want to see, well, what do you already have for nitrogen in the soil? I don't even see that here. Do you, Darren? I didn't see a nitrogen test. Oh, maybe I'm missing it somewhere. They may not have run one. Yeah. And so I honestly don't know. Do you have 30 pounds coming out of your soil right now? Do you have 130 pounds? I'm not sure. With organic matter, you got three and a half. So we'll talk about that right after this break. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Take your tillage to the next level with the Insight Universal Tillage Tool from McFarland Ag. With more adjustability and flexibility, the Insight is the ultimate one-pass tillage tool. Visit McFarlandAg.com to find your closest dealer. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. If you understood everything on a soil test and could make your own fertility plans, do you think you could cut your farm's fertility expenses, maybe even increase your yields? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. We want to empower you to make your own fertility decisions. That's why we're holding our Ag PhD Soils Clinic on Tuesday, January 16th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. This could be the single most important day you spend in your farming career, and it's free. So register now at agphd.com. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Banning nitrogen with your planter saves you money. Don't waste those savings by buying an expensive application system. Clever design and engineering means 360 bandits, colders, and hose guides work to get the nitrogen in the perfect place for rapid root uptake. 
360 band that puts a band of nitrogen on both sides of the seed trench, three quarters of an inch deep. And 360 band that costs a fraction of what more complex systems cost. Don't overspend. Choose 360 Bandit from 360 Yield Center. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on Farmer Friday. That means we're taking your calls and questions throughout the whole show. You can email us radio at agphd.com or call and visit with us at 844-44-AG-PHD. Okay, so right before the break, we were looking at soil samples from Joe, correct? Okay, and in South Dakota, right? Yep. All right. I just want to make sure that I wasn't wrong. I was wrong about the fact that there was, I didn't see the nitrogen on the uh, test. That's a different lab that we use. Yeah, it was organized. And it was literally right at the top. It was the very first thing. But here's what it is. Um, Minimum of one part per million, maximum of six parts per million. And this is why we always encourage you test your soil. A lot of people will say, well, coming out of beans, you've got 40 pounds for, for your 40 pounds of nitrogen for your corn crop. Well, I don't know what this came out of, corn, beans, whatever. All I know is we have an average of three parts per million. That'd be six pounds per acre. That's it. We don't have 40. We have six. So in other words, he was asking about how much nitrogen should I put out there? So one of the things we take a look at is soil organic matter, and we say, all right, you got an average of three, let's just call it for easy figuring, three and a half percent organic matter. You take that times 20, and in South Dakota, this is kind of what we use, 20, to be on on the conservative side and the low side. So 20 times 3.5 means we're going to get about 70 pounds of free nitrogen out of this test. And so if all we were shooting for was 200 bushel corn, um, I just wanted to pull up the ag P I'm going to pull up the ag PhD fertilizer removal app right here. And you may say, well, my corn only needs 0.7 pounds of nitrogen per bushel. No, it doesn't. Every bushel of corn out there period needs 1.12. Now I'm not saying you have to apply that. The difference here is if you've got carry-in nitrogen, you can subtract some off of the figure I'm going to give you now, which is 200 bushel corn needs 224 pounds of nitrogen. So if I said, all right, I need 224. I literally have six (laughs) out there right now, and I'm assuming no loss, which we all know we're we're probably going to lose some. So I need 218 pounds. i got to apply 218 pounds. But then what I'm telling you is you've got about 70 pounds you can subtract because of your soil's organic matter. So now we're down to about 148 pounds you would need to apply. And again, that's figuring no loss. I'm probably not going to count on that. So if it's me, I'm going to make sure that I'm putting on at least, and again, this is on average, so you can vary it through the field. But I'm just saying somewhere around 150 pounds would be the bare minimum you're going to need to apply, assuming no loss, if you want 200 bushel corn. The thing we know is this. If you run, run short on nitrogen, you cannot get the yield you are expecting. But we also know with soil organic matter levels, and you have as high on this particular test, as high as 5.6%. That's really good. We know sometimes we get as much as 30 pounds of nitrogen out of every 1% of organic matter through mineralization in the soil. Well, you take 30 times 5.6, my goodness. Yeah, I mean, you're over 150 parts 
or over 150 pounds you've got there per acre. That is a lot. That's awesome. So anyway, we don't know exactly how to dial in a nitrogen rate because we don't know how much mineralization there's going to be. And quite frankly, nobody can predict yield. Even if I don't care it's June and you go, well, now I'm going to do my side dress. I don't know. Is your corn going to make 200? Is it going to make 220? Is it going to make 180? Nobody knows at that point. So we're all kind of guessing, but I'd call it much more of an educated guess once we get into the middle of the season. So if you want to put out, let's call it 100, 100 pounds now, 120 pounds now, 140 pounds now, I feel pretty comfortable with that. And then go do a pre-sidrus nitrate test. So it's really up to you what you want to do exactly there. But your cation exchange capacity on average is 22. you got pretty heavy soil that definitely can hold the amount of nitrogen that you would like to apply to that soil, even if you were going to put out as much as, let's call it 150, 170 pounds, something like that. All right, thanks for the question. We appreciate that. Let's head down to Kansas, get Jeff on with us right now. How's it going, Jeff? Uh, it's going pretty good here. Got a bright, sunny day outside. Really nice. A little bit uh, warmer than what we're used to this time of year. Yeah, so. yeah. It's been kind of a kind of a long fall up here. We've we've actually liked it. We got a lot of stuff done. How, how about down there? You still working outside? There, there is a lot of things going on outside. I see a lot of guys fertilizing. We haven't got to it. We're going to hold off till spring, but we've been busy. Uh, Calling some Milo sorghum uh, out of a bag to end user, so going to keep on that for a few more weeks before Christmas is our plan. So yeah, yeah, it's kind of nice to have good weather to get all this work done and uh, get yourself set up. So next spring you can just worry about the next crop. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of nice. Things things start up really easy in the morning too. The, this yeah. kind of weather. So. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, so uh, you know, you look at all the decisions for next year seed crop protection, all those things. Did you have anything happen out in the fields this year that you're like, man, I got to solve that if we're going to be successful next year? Um, I think the biggest factor for us this last year is, is uh, lodging and just uh, wind damage from in our corn. And so that's one thing that we're going to be watching really close on our hybrids. And we already kind of know which ones did really well in those conditions and try to you know, just one more. There's all sorts of perils out there, and that's just one more that we're having to watch out for and be careful about. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. There's lots of risks out there for the crop. Did it end up being green snap, or was it more of a, a root lodging or a stock lodging later on? It it was a green snap. We okay. had, yep. I believe, three different wind events that were 80 mile per hour plus this year, and so if the first one didn't get some of it, then the second one did, you know, we had probably 10, 15% green snap, which really did end up affecting our yields, you know, 20, 30 bushels lower than what we're used to. Wow. So. Yeah, that's unfortunate. That's yeah. It's bad enough to get one of those, but then they just keep coming. It's like, come on here. Uh, tell yeah. me about, did it matter on irrigated versus dry land? Did it kind of hit all of them roughly the same? You know, it really affected our irrigated most. It was the uh, larger, it had larger plant size. Most of our dry land, we've been planting really late. We, you know, we're in a water limited area. And so usually you either need to plant dry land really early or really late. And really dry land corn plants don't get very big. And so they're just not affected by the wind like irrigated. So definitely irrigated corn is where we were affected 
Yeah, that's the problem. It's a lot of these issues that happen to our crops. It's often the best <laughs> crops that get hit the worst. And, exactly. Uh, They're the ones that are reaching high in the sky, and those are the ones that have the most leverage. Well, it makes sorghum so, look that much more attractive, Jeff. You definitely don't right. have to worry we about that getting so tall. down here in Kansas. So it, we didn't have any uh, wind damage from sorghum, but... Um, and sorghum hybrids are getting better at lodging late in season, so that's been good um, seeing those come around. But, yeah, for our environment, sorghum is really, really a great option for us, yeah, especially lot, on dry land. A lot of people talking about dry weather and hot weather this year, but the winds, you're absolutely right. There are some big wind events that hit some pretty broad geographies that uh, that made 2023 pretty challenging. Well, Jeff, uh, thank you so much for talking to us. We really appreciate it. Good luck, and, and happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving to you guys, too. Thank you very much. All right, Brian, had a question come in, and this is kind of interesting. Uh, this one's from Emory down in Alabama. Uh, I'm actually from Indiana, but uh, but got a neighbor that stumbled on some ground down in Alabama, and everyone down there has been raising mid-group 5 determinate soybeans, and uh, we're just wondering why can't indeterminate beans work down there like they do in Indiana? The locals say it won't work, but they don't have any reasons other than to say, well, they'll they'll probably never mature. But I don't believe that. What do you guys think about indeterminate beans in the South? We know people that raise indeterminate beans in the South, so we believe you can do it. I would say try it on a small scale, see if it works, and go from there. Yeah, that's the challenge when you farm in a different area or a long ways from home. You kind of got to try. Well, and we'd recommend trying things on a small scale at home too. But uh, when, yeah, when you're fairly new to the area, you kind of end up doing a lot of things. Well, this is how everybody does it here and it appears to be working. But yeah, when you're going to try something different, uh, just, just don't make huge changes too fast uh, just in case they don't work out. But yeah, I agree with Brian. I think it's going to work just fine. Uh, I had a boron comment here, too, from PP. He said, boron deficiency, big issue for us out in the vineyards, just like what you guys are talking about as well in your crops. Yeah, we'll talk more about nutrients and dive into some more questions coming up right after this. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings. Experienced the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids, extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids reign at ridgeback.corteva.us. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented, season-long, inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. 
you have a lot at stake when it comes to raising corn. I'm Darren Hefty. That's why on Wednesday, January 17th, we're holding a free Ag PhD corn agronomy workshop at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll help you navigate all the challenges of corn production, including how to manage exploding pest populations, resistant diseases, fertility challenges, and more. It's a day packed with information. So if you want to get the most out of your corn this season, don't miss the free Ag PhD corn agronomy workshop. Register now at agphd.com. Can you predict the future? I can't. That's why when I'm planting soybeans, I treat with Heads Up Seed Treatment. With more than 15 years of research, Heads Up offers proven protection against both white mold and sudden death syndrome. So no matter what the year throws at you, you've already taken that first step to be prepared. Don't let your beans suffer from disease when they're just starting to look their best. Tell your seed dealer you need Heads Up Seed Treatment. Learn more at headsupst.com. Because the challenges you face are getting bigger every year, BASF is committed to helping with more than boots on the ground. We're committed to boots in the mud, boots on the steps of your truck, your tractor, your combine, the linoleum tiles of your coffee shop, the concrete of your co-op, the gravel in your shed. So we can listen, learn firsthand, help right now to ensure success. BASF, helping you do the biggest job on earth. Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for listening today. If you have a question, our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got Randy with us right now over in Illinois. Randy, is harvest wrapped up in your area? Uh, Pretty well. There's a couple guys finishing up the last few fields, and then, yeah, that uh, harvest will be done. A lot of tillage is done. A lot of ammonia is wrapped up, you know, even, so it's... Yeah, we've had this beautiful stretch for, I don't know, whatever, it's been three weeks, and it's, uh, yeah, we're very thankful for that. So, Hey, tell me about the anhydrous, because some of the guys in our area are like, man, when's it going to cool down? <laughs> and they're actually happy for this colder weather coming next week. Yeah, well... You know, it's and I always joke that uh, you know all the all the fertilizer plants are all about oh four R's, four R's, four R's until it's ammonia season. And it's like <laughs> oh my gosh, we got all these acres to go. We got to go. And it's, you know, it's you're exactly uh, right. Yeah. You're exactly right on that. One. You, you know, there, there, there was there, there was a cold snap that went through, and everybody's like, okay, we're good to go. And then it, you know it warmed up, and yeah, they ne- never stop. It was once they start, they never stop. So it's yeah. Nope, but. nope. Yeah, it's it's just funny. All this stuff happens in a hurry, and I and I do understand. Hey, it could snow a foot tomorrow, and we could all be done. Oh yeah. So I, I get that. You know, it's uh, yeah. We stri- we strip till all of our corn, and then I do a lot of custom strips. I'm on the end of it too. But as I tell guys, you know, because I always have more guys calling every year. You interested in more acres? And I'm like, well, I've got this much lined up so far it's always very weather dependent and i will put you on the list but i i can't commit you know and it's because because it's always we get to november and we're one rain away from we're done yeah you know and so it's but yeah yeah it's always interesting this time of year and and you're right you get a big rain now it's it's over there's no recovering from that Right, right, exactly. You know, it's like, I think it's Tuesday or whatever for us. They're calling for, I mean, maybe a half inch of rain, but then it's going to cool off. And, you know, 
they're talking lows in the mid 20s and highs in the mid 30s and it's like it ain't gonna dry so it um so yeah hey tell me about the custom strip till business and even the strip till you're doing on your farm how much how much are you strip tilling right through cover crop do you have to do much of that um we do some uh not not a lot we've We've done some of my own in the past where we would fly on like oats and radishes and whatnot, um, you know, and it's no problem. I've never had a problem going through that. Um, I always kind of preferred, if we were going to do radishes, my preference would be to to go in and strip it because that makes sure there's not a radish hole in my in the where I'm going to plant. You oh, know. Oh, that's exactly uh, why I asked that question because we were just talking this morning, and and actually it was one of our our uh, ag PhD producers that uh, he was asking about. He goes, "Man, we did we did tillage or turnips and radishes around the ag PhD field they say, but now we've just been doing uh, oats or." Or you know, just a straight grass crop around there for a cover, and he mm. said, "Why? Why did we go away from those? Well, uh, some of those got to be the size of volleyballs out there, and then as they're trying to rot and break down the next year, it's yeah, it just created a real uneven environment to seed into." Right, right, exactly. So yeah, so I mean, I got one customer that I did uh, probably 400 acres for that. I, I it was a combination of rye radishes and rapeseed or something i think is what he told me um i mean it was it had some decent growth to it you know radishes were the size of your thumb um you know and stuff so they had flown them on earlier and whatnot so but no i mean it it makes it it strips through it fine the uh um but yeah that that was always our experience was with the radishes is like well yeah, it's going to leave an uneven seed bed if you know it goes over the top of where a radish was, and well now that seed's six inches in the ground. So, um, but. yep, always got to adjust to these different things, and it's kind of fun. Uh, right. We talk with Randy here out in Illinois when you get to do custom work, then you get to work with everybody's situation, and everybody does things just a little bit different. Well, Randy, good luck. Exactly. Hopefully, the sunshine continues for you, and you get a lot of that custom work done too. Appreciate it. Thank you. You bet. See ya. Uh, Brian had an email come in uh, from Travis in South Dakota. He said, hey, guys, uh, attaching a field here that was grid sampled, the levels are super high. And I'm just curious, how would you approach a field when your fertility levels uh, are really, really high on just about everything? Uh, We're considering going with no phosphorus applied and maybe using ammonium sulfate at a fairly high rate to try to drop some of these mid to upper 7 pHs down. Okay, so just real quick, what we're dealing with here is cation exchange capacity in the 30s, and part of the reason why is there's a lot of calcium there. We have medium in terms of excess lime rate in several areas and high in one particular spot. In the high area, it's 8,600 for calcium, which is throwing the cation exchange capacity off. I don't believe this is real. In fact, I know it's not real. Of 51 CEC, it's not really that because you got all this free lime there. It's lime floating around. But in that area, phosphorus. There's a lot of organic matter, too. Yeah, there's 6.9, and so that's great. But anyway, in that area where it's the 51 CEC, it's 1,159 parts per million of phosphorus, 1,251 parts per million of potassium. The pH is 7.3. I mean, it's certainly not bad. Yeah, stop putting fertilizer on. 
except for you bring up ammonium sulfate. Okay, that would actually be a really good choice because you're short on sulfur, 22 parts per million there. So it's not terrible. And the nitrate is 36 pounds. So yes, you definitely need some. But I mean, almost everything else was super high. So this is great, which means you have lots of potential. And it also means don't short yourself on nitrogen. I'd be putting out what I think I need for nitrogen, but I'd still be testing at least once mid-season and put on more if I need more to make that yield. And then make sure you're doing an amazing job for weed, insect, and disease control. You've got the fertility for 400 bushel corn. Yeah, what I would do is I'd put some sulfur out there and I'd put it out with my EPTAM and I'd be putting alfalfa in there and I'd be mining some of these nutrients out. These levels are super, super high and I would I would go grab them with alfalfa. I think you'd have fantastic tonnage off this field. Need, do you say needs alfalfa? No. Okay. But, well, then otherwise I'm raising corn. Well, there you go. You got a couple <laughs> of choices. The other thing that uh, he had for a question was, what would you guys think? Would this be a perfect field to put some of the biological or natural products out to help uh, extract some of these nutrients? Well, maybe. I would just say a lot of times we see some of those biological and natural options helping more when you have a lot of soil challenges. Now, the pH is a little bit high. It's not terrible. On average, you're talking 7.5. So not bad. And once you get the nitrogen and the sulfur out there that you need, maybe over time that does start to come down, especially as you get more roots in the ground and everything else. But, I mean, your salts and your sodium are fine. So I don't really see that there's anything really holding you back here. I, I just I think you're going to get tremendous, or you should get tremendous yield. So I'm planning for that. I'm going to do everything I can to get to that point. Just don't be shorting yourself on nitrogen, or like I say, make sure you have amazing weed, insect, and disease control. So that's what I'd be thinking about. Okay, thanks for the question. I uh, got this one that came in from Tristan in Nebraska. Hey guys, could you take a look at this? We've got a 300 acre pivot. It's uh, uh, Irrigated ground, but the water table is probably five to six feet is all at the deepest on, on the one end. So tiling seems to be out of the picture for us to try to get rid of the excess sodium that we continually apply with our irrigation I, water. It's uh, 700 pounds of sodium with nine inches of water. That's a lot. Uh, just curious, would you guys be putting on gypsum? What would you do to try to deal with this field? Do you have soil tests? Yeah, you do. It's uh, What's... it's on your email. Oh, man. Um, you can pull it up. I can tell you what they are. It, it, we don't have complete soil tests here, but it's got a lot of calcium, but it has a lot of sodium out there. And the pH is on average 8.4, but there's a big part of the field that's in the mid to upper eights up to low nines okay. with all that sodium out there. Oh, yeah. Okay. I Yeah. Yep. I do have that stuff. Yeah. Here's the thing. I would like to have the complete soil test because... Um, it looks to me like it's very sandy, don't you think? Because we only have 48 parts per million of magnesium, 65 of potassium, 146 of calcium. So that indicates to me that it's ridiculously light. I don't see cation exchange capacity unless I'm missing something there. But I would guess the cation exchange capacity is going to be like 5 or 8. Yeah, the other thing with that water, too, I know sometimes people go deeper with the well and they get into some better quality water. That's gotta, that's a lot of sodium. Got to try to find something else to solve that, that sodium problem. So typically, how do we remove that? Yeah, we turn sodium into a salt. You do that a lot of times with gypsum. So without looking at the whole soil test, I, I, I don't know that I can tell you. And I, I maybe I could figure it out with the, the information that I have, but I'm not sure. I think we probably need to address this at another time, Darren. All right, Tristan. Yeah, send us a complete soil test on that. That would be be interesting to take a look at. 
Well, thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.